Hello and welcome to Fertility Talks, the Therapy Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Van Medin. This week, I sat down with one of our senior embryologists, Nicola, and we spoke about her role at Therapy Fertility and how a cancer diagnosis in her 20s changed the course of her life and impacted on her fertility. So I was diagnosed with a really rare form of cancer very young. So at what point did you start any sort of treatment that would impact on your fertility? I think I was given a pamphlet and it was like, well, you know, you can freeze them, but that's going to delay your treatment by six weeks or something. And there's no guarantee it's going to work. Then we are also going to tell you that you're also risking yourself by doing that. Mm. It's your body. It's your right. Like you need to know what you're signing up for. Mm. I had no idea. Person's gone through IVF like a patient when they have their baby like they've had a lot of trauma Mm. to get to that point that like you're gonna have a lot of emotions Mm. and you're like oh my god i should just be the happiest person in the room right now but like i'm not so nicola thank you so much for staying late no problem um to talk to me uh so we know each other because you actually work here yeah i'm one of the senior embryologists here which is pretty amazing. It's always like one of my favorite things to either like creep on the embryologists or like <laughs> chat to you. No, it is because it's like I think for anyone who's like interested in fertility, the embryology side of things, it's like literally the yeah. creation of the beginning of life, which is pretty you know, cool. Even like the when the girls like when they come and they get like a tour of the clinic. They're yeah. Like, and when can we go in the lab? Yeah. Everyone wants I to don't see care the lab. Where the kitchen, the toilet is. When can we go to the lab? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is. It's really cool. So um, how long have you been an embryologist for? Just 10 years. Just 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Wow. It's been a while. It's been a while around. And what was it that initially drew you to embryology or how like how does one become an embryologist in Ireland? Because I believe it's it's not very straightforward. No, Mm. we all kind of came different. I came really circular around. Mm. So I did agriculture. In college. What? Yeah, I did. How did I not know this? I was just like, oh, I love animals. That's really and cool. And I'm like, kind of from a farming background. So mm. I did agriculture in college and I love reproduction. Okay. Even now, it blows my mind that one egg and one sperm makes you. Blows my mind. Yeah. Still. So when I did reproduction in college and then I did a reproductive master's in cows, focusing mm. on bulls. And then from there, I ended up going into a traineeship. So I came like a really bizarre way around but like there's no way to get into embryology in Ireland there is no embryology course most people do like biomed or something like that Mm. or they'll do a master's in England Mm. but like it's big money and then come back across so you ended up doing this thing with bulls was it like was it embryology for for cows and bulls is that is the word bovine 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 embryology no way yeah so I did it on like the altitude effects on sperm so a lot of times what comes to humans originated from animals so we look at the first animals and then we look at another cohort of animals and another cohort of animals and then it'll start to enter the human trials Mm -hmm. so it'll go the whole way through so I was looking at the effects of Italian bulls because they're going up and down in altitude okay and the effects of the temperature change on sperm and long-term effects of that okay so looking at that sort of a thing like if if you had you know studies into this that would eventually trickle into like yeah trickle down towards humans yeah a lot of things will like originate from the animal side so IVF would have originated animal side yeah 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 Yeah. like that's where a lot of like the 
growing into blasts like all that was kind of stem from that yeah so obviously when we do animal reproduction we mm. get way more eggs way yeah, more yeah, yeah, yeah. way more things to work on so we can do lots more lots more like testing like what stage can we grow them to what point can we do this to so very interesting okay so then at what point did you uh begin actually working in human embryology in 2013 2014 mm-hmm. i started in human embryology so straight after my master's mm. i was really lucky i got um straight into a traineeship uh really easily i was delighted and i wasn't actually sure what i was getting into <laughs> really <laughs> wasn't sure be- I, my first exposure to i was exposed to like fertility years ago and then through ivf but then i was like babysitting for this woman who had two babies by IVF Mm. and like they were so precious Mm. like they were so precious and like like talking to her and talking to her partner and things like that like you obviously knew what they'd gone without to have the children Mm. and then like when my master's coordinator was talking about what next like fertility came up and I was still childminded these the time and that's just the route I wanted to go down like I just loved it um so you've been working in it for 10 years Mm -hmm. um what is your kind of like normal day-to-day in the lab because I think a lot of people don't really understand what goes on (laughs) the lab is we tend to do the same kind of things like thing with embryo is very structured Mm. so like we'll come in and we'll do quality checks so like everything we do is so regulated it's so tight so we have to check every temperature every gas all the readings we'll mm-hmm. do all that each morning before we start anything and we like check and is, the is that like all of the equipment like all literally equipment anything that exists in the lab will yeah. be checked every day yeah. so everything's on like 24-hour yeah. controlled monitoring and then everything has to be checked every day and recorded and mapped and things like that so we like check them every single morning before we start and see if we've any like mm-hmm. the issue we see if any issues it might be that's 0.2 of a degree different to what it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. And we look at like gas readings and things like that because we want the incubator to essentially be like an inside of a person. Yeah. You know, that's what it has to be the same. Yeah. And that's obviously a really controlled environment. You yeah. don't have, if you think of your body, if you're 0.2 degrees hotter. Yeah. You're like, am I getting a fever? Yeah, you might be sick. You might be sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to control those things. Mm. So we are quite strict and we're quite tight. So we do that every morning before we start. Then depending on the day, we have thawing, freezing on Mondays and Tuesdays, semen analysis. Mm -hmm. We have like our own like quality work and desk work. Then we've like the the, like the good bits, like the egg that people love, like the The egg collections, the (laughs) ICSIs, the things like that, like. But a lot of embryology is not the embryology everyone else sees. It's uh, all the things that go it's not to the keep glamorous, the show on the road. You yeah. know, actually injecting no. a sperm into an egg. That's a very small part, yeah. Yeah. It's like ordering donor sperm or like people wanting to move their gametes here and mm. doing paperwork and regulations and legislation. Like it's all just really strict, strict quality process. And that takes up a lot of our time. But I suppose that side of things is what allows you to do all the other cool stuff oh yeah and like you get really into it yeah you do get into it you're like kind of like a game trying to keep it all together and keep it all tight (laughs) and like we get really particular over it but like that's the main part of our day is answering patient queries and doing all the other bits that people don't see like the administration and quality work and things like that so what sort of interaction do you have with patients 
here we'd have um use the portal mm. obviously so we'd have most of our interaction be over the portal and if anyone sends in a message obviously we'll answer it if yeah. we feel like they need a phone call we'll yeah. give them a call if we feel like the met portal isn't quite yeah suitable for the response or they mm. might need mm-hmm. a bit more then we'll ring but we do like fur checks uh freezing updates we'll see them at egg collection we'll see them at transfer semen analysis we'll meet them and things like that so people don't see us as much as the nurses yeah definitely not they don't see us as much they wouldn't know us by name we're kind of just in the background (laughs) doing the work but we know everyone else's name yeah we know all the patients we know all their names we know who they are but we wouldn't be the people that you see and what has it been like because i know we've had quite a few babies coming back over the last number of months and yeah. anytime that happens we we go and let the lab team know and you all come yeah, out what is what has that been like because i i kind of feel like you guys are the ones who literally made these embryos i know you made them with sperm yeah. and eggs but you made them like what yeah. is that like seeing the babies come back it's crazy especially if like you're like oh my god I did that ICSI mm. or I did that transfer like mm. oh my god and then like it's magic like they're here and you're like I remember that like I remember her coming through even though yeah. it's been like nearly nine months you're like I yeah. remember her name yeah. I remember that yeah. like and like every embryologist will still remember their first baby yeah like you'll remember them yeah you remember the patient you remember the baby like of course you do it's incredible it's amazing and to see them and they're so cute <gasps> I was going to ask you what's your favorite part of your job, but I'm assuming it's the babies. It's the babies. It's the babies. Mm. Yeah, I love it. and good news. Yeah, like when you're telling someone like at a transfer, like oh you've got one for transfer, and like you have so many frozen, yeah, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. suddenly they're like they're so relieved mm-hmm. because they're like oh my god I don't might not have to go through an egg collection again. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. God. Like when they're like or when you see them on the transfer and a table and you give them good news and like they lose like 10 years off their face because they're like so relieved to be here yeah like I love those moments yeah that you can actually see the difference because Mm -hmm. sometimes in the lab you don't always see we don't do the pregnancy scans we don't do the bloods we don't do that so when you're there and you see the difference and like you see the relief when they see us and they're like oh my god it's good news yeah like I love those bits yeah yeah so let's go back a bit so obviously you work in the fertility world yeah. the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a child. I do. I have a three-year-old boy called Jake. How is he? How is Jake? He's perfect. He's, <laughs> He's full on. <laughs> he is full on. He's perfect. When will he be four? January. Yeah. Yeah. So we have we have a, a daughter very similar age. Yeah, it's full on. It's full on. Mm. I'm finding, especially at the moment, very full on. A lot of opinions, a lot of testing boundaries. <laughs> yeah, it's just, and there's loads of like questions and talking. And then yeah. I'm like, sometimes I look in the rear view mirror. I'm like, oh my God, like when did you grow up? Little, little. When did hum- you go little, from the tiny yeah, baby? Yeah. Like when did that happen? I know. It's scary. It goes very quick. Yeah. It goes um, fast. Did you always want kids? So I was diagnosed with a really rare form of cancer very young 21 Mm. I was told from the start I couldn't have kids Mm. so I was told at that age where you're not sure Mm. where you're gonna go what you're gonna do that you can't have kids so it never 
it was never something I focused on because it was never something you thought you I was able to have yeah so it was something that was always kind of oh I'll deal with that when I'm ready mm. do you know yeah like when you're getting told at 21 yeah well do you want a baby or do you want to live so and is that what you were told? What what form of cancer were you diagnosed with? A very rare lung cancer mm. um, that has only ever appeared in like males over 70 in their large intestine. So I had no life expectancy. They didn't know. They couldn't tell me, is it going to come back? And um, they couldn't tell me, you'll have another 10 years. They couldn't really tell me anything. It was very much a case of, God, we don't know. Like sure we'll see we'll treat it and we'll see we don't know what's going to happen next it was shocking mm. there was i was there was nothing wrong with me so how how is it found so i was in college and i kept getting swollen glands okay. i was in college like you're going out the whole time like you know you're yeah. not wearing a coat like mm. it was all explained away everything I i was going out three four nights a week like it was was fine I'd never been sick as a child there was nothing like I was never like a poorly child mm. and I kept getting swollen glands and I'd go on antibiotics and they'd go down and I'd continue and I'd go on them again and like my mom be like it's because you're going out the whole time and you won't wear a coat <laughs> I was like, like yeah maybe like probably is <laughs> like you know like walking to a taxi and stuff I was like yeah probably sounds yeah. about right and then my doctor was like, I'm not giving you another round of antibiotics. Mm. So you have to go and get an x-ray because it could be like the kissing disease. Oh, like um, what, what is Glan- that? Glandular, glandular fever. fever. There we go. And because like I worked, I was in ag, they were like, it may be, yeah, yeah. you may have tuberculosis. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. Again, I was like, I mean, I mean, come on, like that's a reach, but okay. Like I was like, she's just placate the doctor. Mm hmm. And I remember I went the first time for the x-ray and the queue was very big. So I left. I was like, not in the mood. And I was like, can I I have the antibiotics? And she was like, no, go again. So I went again. I was did not want to go. Okay. Didn't want to go for this x-ray. I thought she was just so dramatic and she was must be wasting my time. So I went for the x-ray and I remember it so clearly. I went in the morning and got the x-ray and I saw like a white thing on the x-ray. And like... I'm not a doctor. Like, mm. I was like, hmm, that's that unusual. Looks weird. That looks weird. Yeah. I didn't think anything of it. And she rang me. I wasn't even back. I went from UCD to mm. Vincent's and I wasn't even back in UCD. And my GP rang me, who was based in UCD. And she was like, oh, you have to come for an appointment like now. And I was mm. like, absolutely not. Like, mm. mm-hmm. you're really impacting on my day. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a social scene happening. And I was like, oh, grand so I went up and it was ages waiting because obviously they wanted to wait till mm. it was cleared out yeah so they knew. and yeah. I kept going up to the desk and I was like like come like I have places to be I had nowhere to be <laughs> I was like I have places to be <laughs> this is ridiculous and I went in and I was on my own they were like yeah there was something in your x-ray um it's probably a tumor and I I don't want to scare you, but it could just be something also maybe stuck in your chest. I was like, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Well, <laughs> I thought you said I might have a tumor. 
And they were like, well, I don't want to like say it's a tumor. Like I'm, I can't say that, but it could be, or it could just be something stuck there. Mm. And I was like, like what gets stuck in your lung? Yeah. And I, like, I was just on my own. I was floored, mm. floored. And they were like, oh, do you want, do you want to ring someone? So I rang my mom and stuff and she came up to collect me and we were taken really quickly into um rapid access mm. where it was that same day about a couple of days later okay okay a couple of days that's when i knew it was very serious mm. you know ireland is renowned for being yeah. quite slow. when i was in the hospital a couple of days later i was like oh yeah they're well, moving that, on this, this is yeah. this isn't great but again like 21 like of course i don't have cancer don't be ridiculous like there's clearly something stuck there and I don't recall anyone ever saying you have cancer. Mm. It was just assumed that I knew mm. this was it. And like I did all the tests, like they were all so fast. Like I might get a phone call. You need to get up this morning. You're having a biopsy. You need to get up. You need to get up. You need to do this. And it was just so fast. Mm. Like didn't have time to comprehend what was happening. And then they were like oh you know it's a stage three cancer and i was like jesus like i know that's not good because mm. i know stage four is terminal yeah. like stage three that's really not good mm. and then they did um a treatment plan so i had surgery about two weeks after finding out originally um that was a, that was intense and what was the surgery and um, they took out my lung and I felt like so sorry for my parents. They were like, oh, yeah, she might be like five or six hours on the table. I think it ended up going to like 11 hours. They just said there was complications. And actually, to be honest, even now, I don't think I've ever asked what those complications yeah. were. I don't know if I ever want to know. Mm. I was KO'd. I didn't need to know. So the treatment plan involved taking one of your lungs. Did yeah. it involve and radiation, I, it chemo? So the chemo, the cancer at this point had spread. Okay. So if you picture like it would gone... From my lower lung, out mm. my airways mm. and into like my lymph nodes around my chest. Okay. So everything was like just a step. We'll, we'll just do the surgery yeah. and we'll know for sure then. Yeah, yeah. And then I was in high dependency for about a week. Mm -hmm. um, quite sick. Mm. Quite sick. Had to learn to breathe again. Um, Had to have like physio to learn to breathe because... Well, yeah, because you're going from like full, full capacity to half in that or less. And yeah. that's got to feel like you're kind of choking. Like or all your your organs have to readjust yeah. into this empty space. Yeah. Like there's a whole empty space now <laughs> where like the, everything has to readjust mm. into that space. So it is. And like, like you know, you have to obviously a lot of fluid drains. You've like there was a lot of nerve damage um, like around my rib cage, my yeah. arms and stuff. There's a... I'm sure I signed all the waivers, but also I didn't know what I was signing. Do you know, yeah. like I'm, there was a lot of. So at what point did you start any sort of um, treatment that would impact on your fertility? About a couple of weeks later, um, at this point, it was only going to be surgery. They came to me and they were like, OK, like we're it. Ha it has spread mm. um, we're going to do um, really aggressive chemo. Mm. And it was told me in like really fast, like do you want to freeze your eggs we also can't delay your treatment so you're kind of choosing you can freeze your eggs um, and delay your treatment and compromise your life or you can go straight into key treatment and that's what we would recommend 
and you're kind of like left holding a pamphlet no one really has explained mm. to me what is freezing your eggs mm. like at this point like i have no idea mm. like what does it involve like, i think i was given a pamphlet and it was like well you know you can freeze them but that's going to delay your treatment by six weeks or something and there's no guarantee it's going to work and then we are also going to tell you that you're also risking yourself by doing that mm. whereas now i know like that wouldn't that wouldn't have risked me mm. and at this point i was also told because you're 21 we're going to put you in a medically induced menopause which they like injected my stomach on um, the whole way through treatment and at the time it was quite a new thing and it was like oh we don't know the long-term effects of this like you know like all this information's coming so fast like me and my mom are like just just agree to the doctors like yeah. you know like the whole focus the doctors don't focus obviously they want you to be alive yeah but they're not going to focus on okay so she's alive what happens after what's this? the quality of that life or what yeah what are, like what's the impact like, on that life listen we're yeah. going to keep you alive we're not gonna focus any further yeah and like obviously i respect that like you know they obviously did keep me alive mm. but i feel like they never gave me time to process mm. oh freeze your eggs stay alive let's put you in the menopause at 21 let's see what's going to happen after that mm. i never felt like i was given much like all of this is happening so fast mm. like i never felt i was given much information or guidance like i was never i never talked to anyone in fertility mm. i was never like redirected to like where they do the oncology freezing like at the time i was never told go talk to a fertility doctor mm. it was kind of like listen if you want to take that risk then we can talk to a fertility person yeah it wasn't like just have that chat anyways. let's have a chat yeah, and yeah. then make up your mind mm. like it was like in between oh you might go blind you might go deaf do you want to freeze your eggs we're also going to book you in for a hearing test because we think you might lose your hearing during this chemo. Mm. Yeah. It was kind of thrown into all the other side effects. Like, yeah. oh yeah, you're going to lose your hair. You're going to have nausea. You're also yeah. probably going to be left infertile. Uh, we're going to put you in the menopause and we're going to do this. And right, we'll be we starting Wednesday. Mm. And you're kind of like, whoa. Like, yeah. And at, like at 21, you're kind of being asked to make a decision you don't have the mental capacity to take it in. You don't have the capacity to make that decision yeah. when you've already been given all of that other information. Yeah. This is all in less than a month. Yeah. Do you know, like it yeah. was a month of all that information. Like, And also I'm, I'm sure you're dealing with not knowing is any of this treatment going to work anyways? Yeah, and like if it does work, how long is it going to hold it off for? when you're faced with your own mortality quite young mm. it's very sobering mm. that you're kind of like god i feel like such a clown but like hold on stop can yeah. we talk about what if what i do if, what survive? if i want a baby what if in i want 10 a years, baby yeah, yeah, yeah. But you kind of not made feel it's kind of like you should be grateful to be alive mm. there's yeah. other ways to have a baby yeah whereas you're like okay but like can we take take five ten <laughs> yeah, minutes yeah. and like just hold on like you've given me six mm. leaflets here at once one is for a wig shop to go to and one is 
do I want to freeze my eggs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. While at the same time telling me you don't recommend it. Mm. So you didn't freeze your eggs? I didn't freeze my eggs, no. And you had the surgery and then you had aggressive? I had a chemo. Chemo, uh, yeah. yeah. I had chemo for 12 hours a day, three days a week, every three weeks. Uh, and how long did that go on for? Three months. Wow. Very, it's very intense. Mm. Uh, very. And then I went straight into 35 or 38 sessions of radiation every okay. day, which also, you know, damages your fertility. Mm. But I, it, again, it just gets bundled up in this yeah. little package and it all gets given to you and you're like, this is your options. Yeah. So at what point were you kind of, I suppose, in the clear cancer wise? Do you know I'm now 32 mm. and not once has the word remission been used in me. Not once. So what does that even mean? They're like, we don't see. So I'm obviously really damaged internally. Mm. So like they can see there is change like they can see there is obviously a lot of scarring and there is nodes of concern <laughs> so they're like we can't say you're 100 percent cancer free yeah i just get checks every three six yeah. months yeah. and probably will do for the rest of my life yeah and that's just so you're a medical marvel i am a medical marvel <laughs> is that what you're saying <laughs> i am a medical marvel yeah there hasn't been any reoccurrence since has there i haven't required any treatment since. okay no okay no so once you kind of well i don't even know how one does get past or move forward but you know kind of i suppose recovered enough from the surgery from from the treatment and kind of i suppose got on with life at what point did thoughts of kind of fertility come back to you or you know yeah. did you ever kind of wonder like is everything irreversibly damaged or did you go get some checks did you get the AMH test did you do any of that or I do you know the, uh, the first time I did that any of that was when I started working in fertility okay Obviously, one of the things working for Tilly the perks is you can just <laughs> yeah, yeah. get these checks. You become aware, yeah. and I was like, my AMH was really low, mm. really low, and I was like, yeah, you know, I was like mm, maybe twenty four, and it was like, yeah, you're probably perimenopausal at mm. this point, and at this point again, I was told, you know, I'd really recommend freezing your eggs, and I was like, God, I can't, I can't go through any, I don't. I can't go through anything at this point. Like, I don't want to inject anything. Mm. I don't want to do stimulation. I don't want to go. I was at this point, I was checked out. With I st I'd struggled to gone to the yeah. GP at this point. Like, yeah. I was really, yeah. I, was, I was done. Mm. So, again, I was like, you should freeze your eggs. And, like, I was in, like, a long-term relationship. Mm. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, it just wasn't. My mind didn't want to do any more interventions yeah but I knew I was in perimenopause mm. and like I have been in perimenopause since then like even now I know I will be going into menopause in the next couple of years and mm. um, like I know by my body mm. I'm heading quite rapidly in that direction yeah so it is and I know I will struggle mm. um to conceive so 
how did you end up conceiving the first time? I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I, I genuinely and no idea, like, at all. Okay. Like, it was something like, I, you cannot have, like, you can't have children. And, like, my periods came back, but, like, they never came back proper. Like, they were always quite light, quite short. And my AMH was quite low, so, like... Like, were you told, without a doubt, like, if you want to have a baby, you I have guess. to have fertility treatment you have to yeah you'll be absolutely fertility treatment so like so i'm assuming you weren't trying no yeah no so So when i was pregnant but where were you when you found out or how did you find out it was actually awful i was um getting ready to go to a hen in las vegas (laughs) 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 so i was and i just was really wasn't feeling right and like my period like i would have gone through points of like i would have like skipped a period I mm. would have gone longer and stuff but like I just didn't feel right and I went to the doctor and she was like like I can do a pregnancy test but also kind of like like do we why kind of thing and she did want to rule out and it came up and oh my god I thought I was gonna have to be peeled off the floor <laughs> it took about she said say it took nearly the full nine months sinking like I really like everyone was like oh my god you must be so excited this is so amazing and I was like no because I had been told for so long I couldn't have kids that Mm. like mentally I wasn't like it wasn't in your wasn't in my radar it wasn't in so like to find out I could was like so yeah jarring Mm. and like a kind of like chain like oh you know I've been years been like you know like and we talked about it like in my relationship and stuff and, like we were like accepting of it and we're, like we knew if we wanted to have kids like I worked in fertility like yeah so it was good it was okay yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know we had like we people we could go to mm. like you know there's places we could trust so to find like if everything you believe for nearly 10 years is suddenly whipped out from underneath you like you don't just you know it takes a while a long time for that to sink in and like you know, I had a lot of scares during the pregnancy. At one point, they thought I had a brain tumor. Um, so I ended up, like, literally back in James's, strapped, getting MRIs in my brain. Um, like, it was oh. a really difficult, pre- mm. which probably made it harder to accept because it was a really, really difficult pregnancy, mm. um, like, the whole way through. And, like, I know, like, there's people like, oh, you are so lucky to fall pregnant. I was like, like, I know... I was but it doesn't come without its own battles yeah. when you've told yourself 10 years you can't have children then you're like oh my god what if I don't like love the child yeah like I never knew I could have one like what if I wasn't ready to have one like what if I'm not gonna yeah like love this child yeah. because like I didn't think I could have one yeah and then when you're kind of oh also like obviously in Ireland when you're pregnant the mother is second to the baby mm. So, like, if I had a brain tumor, it was kind of like, okay, how we save the baby? Yeah, yeah. Which took a while, but <laughs> really struggled with that. Mm. That yeah. really knocked me. Yeah. So it is. And then, obviously, there was checks I couldn't get done because you couldn't get them done when you're pregnant. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm going out my CT scans. I'm going out my checks. Like, what if... Yeah, your normal kind of checks that you would yeah, have had like every that, couple of months. Yeah. That I like. Mm. I like them. Yeah. I like them to keep me... Yeah. So I'm like, okay, okay, I can enjoy another little while. But like, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what if, 
like what if hormonal changes you know like what if yeah. that changes something yeah. and then oh my god what if i have the baby and the cancer comes back and yeah that goes on like a yeah, yeah whirlwind of things like i wasn't overjoyed because i think i had so many other mm. emotions at the time yeah that i didn't even know where i was yeah and then I was obviously still working in IVF, so I had the emotional trauma of like obviously working in the I've lab seen, is quite I've an emotional seen, yeah, area. Yeah, totally. So. And then seeing like all the amazing things that happen, all the heartbreaking things that happen. Yeah, and I was kind of like, oh my God, look at those women like who are having like their pregnancy scans, their transfers, look how happy they are. What's wrong with me? Like, mm. why am I like? Yeah. But do you know time? what? I think that's a common thread for people who experience any sort of fertility issues, whether or not you do IVF yeah you know I think it's a it's it's something you see a lot is people kind of wondering why they feel a certain way or you know that the expectation is that you should be so grateful or you should be so thankful or you should be so happy but you can't you can't kind of tell yourself how you're going to feel in any given situation you just especially if you've had trauma to Mm -hmm. get there Mm -hmm. like like an IVF a person's gone through IVF like a patient and when they have their baby like they've had a lot of trauma Mm. to get to that point that like you're gonna have a lot of emotions Mm. and you're like oh my god I should just be the happiest person in the room right now but like I'm not and that's okay but I I think sometimes people just you 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 just have so much um there's such an expectation yeah and you're so conditioned to be like oh my god how you feeling like amazing and you're like I'm not amazing at all like I yeah. feel awful but yeah. like I'm not gonna say god yeah. I feel awful yeah. when like I'm in the waiting I think room. people should <laughs> should start doing that though <laughs> yeah because you're like you know like I re- even remember like when I had Jake I was like oh my god you must have had this overwhelming feeling of love and I was like like no I didn't like yeah but anyone I've spoken to after and I've said it like quite man they're like oh no me neither I'm like Oh yeah, no, I know 100%. you told me when you had it. That yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're a lion. You know, you can't do that to people because people then are like, oh my God, I'm the weird one. Yeah. Like I'm the one who like, it's like, oh God, my whole world didn't like light up with fireworks at this point. Like, yeah. like you can't. But look, the more people that kind of speak truthfully, I think the easier it is for other people to not have yeah. to buy into everything has to be perfect. And like, I should have been jumping for joy over the moon when I was not able to have kids didn't know if I could like carry have kids carry kids have my own biological child go egg donation Mm. I should have been over the moon but like it's also okay that I wasn't oh yeah it's totally okay that you weren't if if you were fine if you weren't also fine I, I think you know we just we kind of buy into this idea of it has to be one way or another and it just doesn't like yeah you are a unique person with your own set of you know life experience that will you know affect how you react to things and yeah process things and that's okay but like I definitely would if I was going through it again (laughs) I would definitely freeze my eggs the first time around absolutely Yeah. yeah I think it would have solved a lot of like it would have opened me up more to the the idea. prospect of having a family as yeah. opposed to shutting off that compartment of my brain. Yeah. That's what I did. I shut it off. Like, because you're told something so factual. Mm. You're like, okay, that's me. Yeah, that's fine. That's me. And you just shut it off. And you're like, right, I can't have kids. That's okay. Yeah. I'll do something else. Mm. 
you're like, I don't know what I'll do, but I'll find something. And that was going to be kind of my final question is what would, what would you have done differently? And I, I don't like living that way because I, you know, I figure, you know, we live our lives and there's no point in saying, what would I have done? But you know, if you're, if there is someone in a similar situation, you know, faced with these kind of really difficult decisions at a young age, like what would you kind of say to them? Slow down. Ask the doctors to slow Mm -hmm. down. You've been living with the cancer for months before it was found. Two weeks to process things. It's not going to change the outcome. It's going to change a lot for you. Mm. Like, it's your body, it's your right. Like, you need to know what you're signing up for. Mm. I had no idea what I was agreeing to. Mm. Like, to be a tester on a menopause medication. Mm. But to feel like I couldn't be like, hold on, like... I don't know if I want implants put into me. I don't I don't know what this is Mm. like you've been that cancer didn't come yesterday. It didn't come this morning and it was found that cancer has been there and you've you felt fine. Like, you know, you might have been a bit sick, but like two weeks is not going to change your outcome. And the the oncologist's job is to get you better, obviously. But they're treating you as a cancer patient, not as a future patient. Like Mm. they're not treating you as someone who wants to have a family and grow that way so like you kind of have to be like we need we need to just stop i want to speak to a professional i want to speak to a fertility doctor like had i known now it wouldn't have taken me six weeks to do a cycle and freeze my eggs oh absolutely not yeah like that was the information i was told mm. and i didn't like everyone's and just make sure you don't google things <laughs> which i think kind of it scares you into thing and we all google we all yeah. go home and Google it. <laughs> but like, you need to say like, first of all, like, stop. I'm 21. No, I don't know do I want kids today because I'm, 20, I'm 21. Mm. I haven't finished college. But maybe 34-year-old Nicola might want kids mm. and she's agreed to something at 21. She never, ever knew the implications mm. of. Yeah. So like, you need time to process things. And like you can get caught up in that. Oh, my God, if I don't do this today, I'm not going to survive. I'm not going to live. Well, you will. But you also need to know the side effects of what you've agreed to. Mm. You know, like maybe there's certain obviously now there's a lot of changes. You know, there's certain things you might not have to take. There's, you know, I do want to have kids. Okay, we'll put you on a different chemo. It might not be as aggressive, but it will work just fine. Or we won't do this. We won't do that. Like. There's a lot of things that can be done, but the, the doctor's like, I want to do, obviously, the most aggressive, the quickest. Yeah. Whereas, like, you're like, I want to look at the big picture. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is, like, looking at a person as a whole person and not just a cancer yeah. patient. And uh, as someone who you're obviously making stay alive for a long time to have a, a life. And what does that life look like? Now it's yeah. pretty great. It's pretty great. <laughs> Yeah, I have a lovely boy, I have a fiancé, I have a great job. Yeah, it's good. It's a good life. You mentioned about struggling to conceive again. Yeah. Is that something that you are looking at trying to do before you go into early menopause? Yeah, it's something I've definitely spoken with Mm. the doctors here Mm. about. um, And something that I will, obviously I will have to go down that route and I know I'll have to go down that Mm. route. 
I think Jake was a once in a <laughs> lifetime and it's amazing. Mm. I'm obviously really lucky to work here yeah. and to work in fertility that like there is things I can access and I I'm mm. can access them quite quickly before it becomes an issue. But yeah. like there absolutely will be treatment yeah. down the line. Like we're well aware of that. Yeah. And it's something like it took me a while to come to terms with. Yeah. But it's something now that I know will do and we're comfortable to do. Mm. Yeah. So it is. So I'll be on the other side of the table, <laughs> which will be weird. <laughs> but also kind of cool. Yeah. To see it from another perspective. Yeah. 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 If you're looking, working on one side, it's really kind hard of full to process. Circle. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, do you know when we do that, it doesn't come across like that at all from <laughs> the other side. You're, you're, you'll <laughs> come back from it. Like with all these notes. Yeah, my little page. I'm like, here's some like, hints and tips from a patient's yeah, yeah, point yeah, yeah, of yeah, view. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, thank you so much for um, chatting to me. I learned a lot about you that I didn't <laughs> know. Um, but what a story. And thank you. I think it gives a lot of hope that, you know, I hope so. there is life after these kind of awful medical I catastrophes so, yeah. and, you know, Unfortunately, there's a yeah. lot of young people now being diagnosed with cancer. So yeah. there's there's a lot of people who are going to be and are in the same situation. Mm. Yeah. So. so the message here is to kind of take a beat, talk yeah. to someone who knows what they're doing when it yeah. comes to fertility. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. OK, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>